Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Well, today should be of interest to everyone because everyone loves babies, especially healthy babies. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to hear from a group that is dedicated to reducing premature births and infant mortality. It's the March of Dimes. And on the phone, we have Casey Rivas. Welcome back to the show, Casey, and thanks for joining me this morning. Thank you for having me, Gary. I'm really excited to talk to you today about some of the programs we have going on. Yeah, Casey, you have. we've talked before uh, over the years about the March of Dimes and the work you guys have been doing for premature birth and preventing that. L- let's start with uh, a few basics and, and get them out of the way. You're the Director of Maternal Child Health and Government Affairs here for the state of Washington's March of Dimes. And I want to talk about the progress being made in natal health uh, from the March of Dimes. But a little background, um, you guys have been around for a long, long time, since the 1930s, but it wasn't always about healthy babies, right? How about a little history lesson on the March of Dimes and collecting yeah. dimes? It still is, <laughs> Collecting dimes still matters, right? A little bit of money from everybody makes a big difference, doesn't it? That's part of the history. Yeah, you know, when we first started out, um, it was about polio and eradicating polio um, during the Roosevelt uh, administration. And he made a call to action to, you know, donate a dime and um, we can actually, you know, put into action science and research and find a way to eradicate polio. And we were able to do that. And as soon as we were able to do that, it was like, what's the next step? And we started looking at, you know, prematurity, infant mortality, um, birth defects and all of those things and finding ways that we could um, lower those rates. And so premature birth, what do we mean when we say premature? I mean, we, I, I'm old enough to, to know and had my own children. 40 weeks is what we talk about, a healthy pregnancy. Is that what we, the goal still is? That, I mean, science keeps changing on me. I'm slower than, than science. <laughs> what are we yes. talking about when we say a, a premature delivery? So a full-term baby is, like you're saying, 40 weeks. Um, preterm is any baby that's born before 37 weeks. And there's different levels. There's late preterm, which is when you're, like, in that 34 to 37-week um, frame. But right now, there's so much research and science and amazing things going on in medicine. We're able to even save babies that are born as early as 23 and 24 weeks. Um, and that's considered very early preterm. And that doesn't happen that often, but um, all the amazing research that we've done, as well as some others have done, have made it possible for babies that early to even make it and, you know, live great life. And what what is going on in the development of the womb still? I don't know. You're not a scientist. I'm not a scientist. <laughs> those last, you know, that last month, those last eight weeks, four weeks, three weeks, I mean, 37 to 40 is only three weeks. You say, that's just an early baby. Why do we, why, what happens those last couple of weeks that can be important for uh, a healthy birth? Yeah, even in those final three weeks, there's a lot of development in your brain. Um, There's a lot of development as far as your lungs and being able to breathe outside of the womb. Um, It's it's amazing what happens in those three weeks. If you actually saw a kind of a drawing of like, this is your brain at 34 weeks and this is a baby's brain at, at 40 weeks. It, it grows and develops so much in that three-week period. So even babies that are born, you know, three weeks or four weeks early can 
have developmental delays. Um, they might have to, like, later on in um, growing up have, you know, some you know, speech therapy or help with things as they are growing because they weren't able to have that full brain growth in the womb. Wow. So it, it really is important that that's so, I mean, yeah, a baby is so small that any growth is important growth. And if we're talking the brain yeah. and the lungs, man, that's, that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I remember when I was pregnant and I was getting in that, you know, those 34, 35 weeks, I'm like, oh, I'm so ready for this baby to be <laughs> on my body. But when you start to learn about what's going on in those final weeks and how important it is for your baby, it's like, okay, stay in there. We're still cooking, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, um, but, you know, as a mom and being pregnant, you're like, I just want it to be done. But when, when, when people learn about that and learn about all the things that are going on in those final weeks, they realize how important it is and how amazing it is when you're able to give birth to a full-term baby. Yeah. Uh, well, one thing uh, the March of Dimes does here in the state of Washington, yeah, I guess all over the country, right, is give out a, a grade, a report card. Is that this time of year, every, uh, every year that this report card goes out? Yes. So okay. November is considered... Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. November is... <laughs> The time of year, right? Prematurity, yep, November is Prematurity Awareness Month, and so every November we release our yearly report card. Um, and this year we we have a lot of changes on our report card. Usually oh. it's very focused on preterm birth rates and everything, but this year we are actually able to uh, include things like social determinants of health, um, things like you know, access to health care, also how much a preterm birth on average costs in the state. So just some things to give us a bigger, wider look at what's going on. Wow, those are interesting uh, parameters you're, you're measuring. So I, is it broken down by just states or parts of states, counties, cities? And, and then I want to get to how we did here in the Northwest. Yes, yeah, so we have a national pre, uh, report card that is for the whole, you know, United States. And then each state also gets its report card. Um, within the state report cards, we break down kind of our highest, most populous um, counties and take a look at how they're doing. And then we also look at how the state is doing as far as like race and ethnicity, if there's, you know, equity gaps there. Oh. And like you said, so some places then have limited access to prenatal and natal health care. That must change uh, a report card in different parts of a how how are we doing here in the northwest what was what we do last year and how are we doing this year so washington last year we were at 8.4 and we did lower our preterm birth rate by 0.1 percent this year so we're 8.3 which is a b plus a b plus Uh, we're almost yeah we're almost into the a minus range we're getting really close but um even though like we're one of the best states in the nation. We're, you know, the top three in the nation as far as how we're performing. But when you really break it down and you start to look at the breakdown in um, our racial and ethnic disparities, we have populations that are doing well, like our white population. And then we have populations like our American Indian Alaskan Native populations that have 54% higher preterm birth rate than all other Ethnic, or, um, race and ethnicities in our state. Wow. So, so even though we're as a whole doing really well, we have some areas where we really need to do some work. And then we also have counties that are pretty large that, you know, we have King County that's doing pretty well. You know, we, we have 
I think we have an A minus in King County. But then you look at Spokane and Pierce County, and they're down in the B minus and C ranges. So we have areas where we actually have very high population where we need to do a lot of work. And then we also have certain populations that we also need to do work in. So then now we talk about what the March had done. So that's measuring the state of it, of the uh, yeah. health care for babies and moms and moms-to-be. What does the March of Dimes do about that then? March of Dimes, you're a nonprofit, right? I mean, yes. you're, you're counting on uh, dollars, again, dimes in, in big ticket dimes, right? Um, in large amounts to make changes. What do you guys do? You offer some programs and education and classes. I mean, this is a, can be a big part of this uh, talk this morning, yeah. Casey. So, yep. So there's a few things. So nationally, actually, we, um, so nationally we have prematurity um, research centers that are looking at, you know, new causes for preterm birth and ways that we can then go back and create maybe something where we can, like, stop that whatever's going on or, you know, prolong the time that the baby's in the womb. So that's what we're doing nationally. Uh, when you look at each state or most states have someone like me, the maternal child health director who is running programs and working with state officials and Medicaid to try and push policies that will help with things like health access, um, you know, maternal nutrition and looking at the mortality rates. Um, some of the things specifically that we're doing right now, which are really exciting, is um, we're trying to develop a program. So we currently have, sorry, I'm going to back up one second. Okay. So the March of Dimes has a program, it's called Supportive Pregnancy Care, and it is a group prenatal care program. And it basically is treating women, they go into their prenatal care in a group with the provider. They're able to do their own health measurements as far as weight and blood pressure. They discuss with the provider what's going on with their pregnancy during that, that point in their pregnancy. They also get some one-on-one -on -one time with the provider to take a look, at, do their belly check and all of that. This is in a, a, really a group setting, you said? So it's yeah, like in, a, in a group setting. Kind of like a birth class, that kind of thing, but, but this is more with a doctor? Yeah, so it's, it's similar to a birth class, but you're actually getting your prenatal care. So it's with uh. an OB or a midwife who's running, the, running that group. And they, t they tend to have co-facilitators with them. Sometimes they'll have a nurse or... Um, someone with them to lead the group. Yeah, I think but we talked it, about this last year. Yeah. So it's not a just a birth class. It's a it's a doctor's it's like a group doctor appointment for your yeah. prenatal care. And so everybody so can of, yeah. jump in and say, "Hey, yeah, I have that same feeling or that happens to me or what are you talking about? Say that again." And that makes it a little yeah. easier. What what are the what's the impact of a group setting like that? Group pregnancy care, supportive pregnancy care. So one of them is something you just pointed out, which is that group mentality of maybe a woman isn't feeling comfortable to ask a question, but someone else will. And then as soon as that person asks a question, they're like, yes, that happens to me too. And so you really bring out the doctors are able to get a better look at what you're, what's going on in your pregnancy beyond just like that belly check in the medical, but also some of those social things that are going on. And then in addition to that, the women leaving the group really feel empowered in their own care because they're they're taking charge of it by doing those like health assessments. Mm. And then the social support 
that they get from the other women. Many of these groups, they form, you know, Facebook groups within, you know, and they keep staying, they stay in touch. And then as soon as they have their babies, they come together and they're, you know, have baby visits and stuff like that. So that social support when you're pregnant is so important because pregnancy is one of those times in your lives where it's exciting, but it's also very, um, you kind of, it's very isolating because not everyone in your life is pregnant, so they may not understand all the things that are going on. <laughs> that's right. That's so you right. Kind of, you kind of start to feel alone unless you have like kind of a comrade with you that's also pregnant and you guys can talk about it. So this group setting offers that for these women, which is really amazing, especially for women who are lower income, who maybe don't have those social supports that other women do. So we see better outcomes um, for many women, 30% better preterm birth rate. Wow. Lower preterm birth rate. That's awesome. When compared to women going through traditional care. So we definitely see better outcomes. We see also for the women better outcomes moving forward as far as being empowered and having those social supports. Um, so this year we're taking that supportive pregnancy care program and, and thanks to funding from Primera's um, Blue Cross that we received this year, we're able to develop a substance use support treatment group in conjunction with that group prenatal care. Oh, so, so you're taking yeah. this supportive pregnancy care model and melding it with uh, people who have substance use disorder problems. Yeah, so one of the big problems in Washington is we have a big opioid crisis, and it's not, you know, it's not just people who, you know, aren't pregnant. We're actually seeing a lot of women who are pregnant with um, substance use disorder. And what I, seeing that, what I really, really wanted to accomplish was, you know, how can we meld the two together? Because these women need groups, too. They need their group treatment um, to discuss what's going on. So um, currently I'm working with Dr. Vanya Rudolph and Dr. Jim Walsh with Swedish Recovery Treatment Center in Ballard to develop a curriculum to add to our supportive pregnancy care program that will not only be in the prenatal period, but it's going to span into the postpartum period as well to provide those postpartum supports that women really need, especially women who are going through um, substance use treatment and recovery. Mm. So this, is this a pilot program then? Is, you're just kind of formulating this and hopefully you'll find the, the right parts of the ways it works best and then spread this out? Yes. So the plan is to pilot it in four locations yet to be determined in Washington um, to see how it works and work through, you know, when we do pilots, we're working through some of the kinks and things like that. But my hope is that we can expand this, not only within our state, but expand it beyond our state and into the other states. Because as you probably know, nationally, substance use disorder is a crisis among a lot of states. And so yeah. we really need, this is something that we know is driving poor birth outcomes. It's also driving some of that higher maternal mortality um, rates due to accidental overdose after they give birth or, um, you know, maybe suicide because of postpartum depression and they're not recognizing those signs. So we really want to provide that postpartum care as well to, you know, make sure we are supporting them when they need it most. Maybe they don't know they have depression. Maybe they need some 
um, support as far as relapse prevention and things like that so that we can lower our maternal mortality rates as well. Wow, that sounds like a great potential there. We are talking this morning with Casey Rivas uh, from the March of Dimes. She's the Director of Maternal and Child Health and Government Affairs for the March of Dimes in the state of Washington. Casey, now this new program you're talking about, has it launched yet, or are we still getting ready to, to get this, and what? how's it really going to operate, and I don't know, can you break down the how you get the, <laughs> the right women in this that, you, that need to see this? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, so we are currently in the development phase for the curriculum, as well as um, recruiting the four sites that we are going to be doing this at. Um, we'll probably be going into full implementation in the spring of 2020. And those sites that we're identifying are sites that already are seeing a large number of women who are suffering from substance use disorder come through and give birth. So we're hoping to catch those women before that time and get them into prenatal care and also provide the substance use support. Mm. So that's the plan. Um, we're The really exciting thing, we're able to develop this thanks to Primera Blue Cross, but we did this on a smaller scale with um, the, the team at Swedish that I mentioned before, Dr. Vanya Rudolph and Dr. Jim Walsh, um, thanks to funding that we actually received from Amerigroup last year. So we kind of did this small scale pilot to see how this could work. And now we're using what we found out in that really small scale pilot to inform the curriculum that we're, we're developing right now. Hmm. Is there a hurdle to jump over when you want to, you know, offer help to someone in crisis, a mother-to-be who finds herself pregnant and she knows she's got a, a substance uh, abuse problem and, you know, the judgment and the fear and just the isolation that someone like that feels, that's got to be a big hurdle to just start with, I guess. It is. I mean, that's another piece of this amazing funding that we received is we're also um, doing some statewide implicit bias and stigma training. Yeah, I want to hear about that. Yeah. Because some of the things I've held two conferences now over the last year on uh, maternal opioid use. And one of the things we continually hear from the women who um, kind of speak at those conferences and let us know what, what happened during their labor and delivery is that they were they felt judged during labor. You know, they they went in into labor and they went into the hospital and they felt judged. They felt like they weren't being listened to and just as an immediate reaction to the fact that they had used substances, even if they were in recovery currently, which, you know, these women many times they don't want they don't want to be pregnant and using substances. They want to recover. They want to have a healthy baby. They want to stay with their babies afterward. And when they come in to labor and delivery and they're immediately being judged and then they take their baby away, you know, to take them to the um, neonatal intensive care unit because they're born with um, NAS, which is neonatal abstinence syndrome, um, they're scared. So that fear makes them wait to go into care for prenatal care. It makes them wait till the very, you know, till they have to, to go give birth, to go into labor and delivery. So we really want to address that stigma that the providers have and talk about ways that they could provide, you know, more, I guess, compassionate care to these women and trying to understand where they're coming from and that they do want to have 
you know, a recovery and they want to do the right thing. Yeah. So, I mean, people in healthcare, doctors, nurses, midwives, they, they do it because they are compassionate and empathetic and yep. they care. But, but again, I think you're right. We all need some training in the putting on the other person's, you know, viewpoint and saying, why aren't you just come in and that judgment, like you said, called it implicit bias that we all seem to have without realizing it. So that just takes some retraining. That must, that's a part of this the aspect, right? Yes, definitely some retraining. I really hope someday that we could get this, you know, an implicit bias type training and stigma training into the medical schools so yeah. they're being trained from before they even start giving care because I think it's just so important. And if women feel comfortable going into care when they're going through these, you know, substance use recovery, they're going through treatment, they're going to ha- they're going to end up with better health outcomes. They're going to end up with better, you know, healthier babies because they're coming in regularly to their prenatal appointments because they're not afraid. And so, you know, and, and it's no, you know, I, I don't want providers to think, oh, you guys are doing bad or anything. It's just it, there's there's certain things that we can't control, and it's just in in us innately. Like like I said, that implicit bias that you sometimes don't realize you have. Yeah, you don't realize that you're judging someone, but they feel it. We are talking to Casey Rivas of the March of Dimes today, and Washington has had its report card from the March of Dimes on its. Uh, <laughs> health care system for for premature birth we're we're doing okay we're doing a little better than we did last year um but you know what you mentioned this big program you you want to get going here um and i kind of want to go backwards a little bit it's a the substance the women that in childbearing age suffering from substance use disorder find this group uh, the the supportive pregnancy care group that that is a peer support before they give birth um, and then the, it follows them through after, through the postpartum uh, part. I mean, that must be a big, a big deal of, of this because, like you said, some of these kids, these babies are going to be born with neonatal abstinence syndrome, which is like that's when the baby has to withdraw from the drugs they were exposed to in the womb, right? So, yeah. So and, this after some, the yeah. birth part must be a, a huge part for for enough of these women that uh, this will make a huge impact. We are really hoping it does. We're hoping that that additional support postpartum um, where we're able to talk about relapse prevention, we're able to discuss breastfeeding, we're able to discuss all many different things that are going to help them in their parenting skills and keep them in you know, a positive mindset in their recovery. Hey, today, also, I want to mention this. So we're talking about uh, prematurity awareness all month, but today happens to be premature, World Prematurity uh, Day here, November 17th. Uh, what should people do? Uh, so we haven't even mentioned learning more uh, on our own here because we're going to have to wrap up here in a few minutes, but where can people learn a lot more information as, as we talk about premature births and, and healthy babies, et cetera, this week? Yeah, so if you want to learn more about what we're doing with the March, March of Dimes, definitely head to marchadimes.org, and you can he- see all the different programs as well as um, some of the information on our prematurity research centers that's going on right now. And also, before we go, there's probably a few topics we haven't touched. One or two of them must have to do with, I don't know, screenings. Uh, the women get enough screenings that don't know that they can check on the health of their newborn beforehand, right? And hospitals and doctors do screenings. This is, 
uh, growing, right? People, because of the March of Dimes, better and better prenatal health is being done, right? Yes, definitely. We're able to, you know, pinpoint some, you know, signs of potential, you know, preterm labor, preterm birth. Um, so definitely get in. If you think you might be pregnant, get to the doctor and start your prenatal care immediately. Um, because the more prenatal care you get, the better outcomes you could possibly have. And there definitely are preterm births that just we don't know why they happen. They're not something that we could avoid. But we can definitely help trim down the number of preterm births if we're able to give more prenatal care and screen those babies and moms. If you think you might be pregnant, how about if a woman is thinking of becoming pregnant, a couple's making the decision? That's the yes, time, too, to go better. talk to a doctor, right, <laughs> and find out what you should stop doing in your lifestyle and maybe change and start doing, right? That's an important yes. part of the life, too. Yes, definitely. I mean, we look at the whole continuum of care, and if you are thinking you might want to get pregnant or if you don't want to get pregnant, you make sure you get to the doctor and do what you need to do to make sure that you're planning for your life and your family's lives. Um, goes according to plan. <laughs> that, that is all well said. Hey, Casey, we, we are out of time. Uh, I'll give you one more blast, though. Did we forget anything important or something you really wanted to say about, uh, since we're talking about uh, healthy babies and mature births? I just would say if this is something that's near and dear to your heart that and you want to support the different programs that we're doing, now this season, the holiday season, is a great time to give back to and donate to um, foundations where we're able to have, you know, two times and three times, um, you know, That's matching right. gifts and things like that. Yeah, a lot of companies uh, match your your uh, charitable giving this time of year, don't they? That's a great time to give to the March of Dimes. Marchofdimes.org for all kinds of resources and information that not only the March of Dimes does, but how to have a healthy birth and, and what to look for and Gosh, thank you so much, Casey, for being here this morning. We have been talking with uh, the Director of Maternal Child Health and Government Affairs for the March of Dimes in Washington, Casey Rivas, today about healthy babies. Casey, thank you so much for your time and insight today. And gosh, a bigger thanks to what the March of Dimes does and, and has been doing to improve uh, health care for vulnerable women and babies. Thank you so much, Casey. Thank you, Gary. I appreciate it. If you would like to hear this interview again, it will be available on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts within a few days. Just search Spotlight with Gary Scheip. I am Gary Scheip. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.